Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. We are to never, ever, never, never, Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, real quick. What did Jesus mean when he said, take up your cross and follow me? Beloved, if you don't already know this, you must get this understanding today. It is is a call to absolute surrender. We who follow Jesus view the cross as a cherished symbol of atonement, forgiveness, grace, and love. However, excuse me, however, in Jesus' day, the cross represented nothing but torturous death because the Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant carrying their own execution device while facing shameful It got to be embarrassing because it was shameful to be crucified. This way of death was so shameful that Romans, Roman citizens, they were exempt from crucifixion. So when Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow him, He's talking about being willing to die in order to follow him. This is called dying to self. Because folks, listen, let us shoot over here real quick to 1 Peter 1. Because I tried to get to a lot of it on the previous podcast. But if we, if we swing on down to verses 24 
to 25, Peter was letting us know that Jesus Christ personally carried our sins in his body on the cross willingly as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin. We are not, beloved, please hear me, we are not affected or influenced by sin any longer. It has no effect on us. So don't let it affect you. We resist it. We are not subject to it any longer. We are freed from it. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm over here choking y'all. Listen. We have been exempt of its consequence, which is what? Death, eternal separation from God. We have been pardoned of the death penalty for our sins through Christ Jesus. We have been absolved, spared from judgment. We are unaffected by its lore to carnality and sensuality. We now know what's at stake for willful, deliberate, blatant, settled sin. The lake of fire. As wandering sheep, we have come back to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. For by his stripes, we have been healed spiritually, not physically, not from any illness or disease or cancer, but by sin. I know you have heard time after time by his stripes, we are healed from what? Sickness and disease. That, that false doctrine and teaching comes out of the apostate false church. Jeez, now, on the same token, divine health and healing is provided. But that's not what Jesus died on the cross for. He did not die so that you don't die from cancer, leukemia, um, the flu, COVID. No, he died so that you can be set free from sin. He paid our sin debt, not our medical debt, not our financial debt. Those stripes he endured so that we can be healed from the wound caused by sin in our lives, separating us from the Father. Amen. So, that's the backdrop. The backdrop to today's lesson on having moral courage. 
we will be talking about living a life of morality. If you do not know that you are not supposed to be living a life of sin, I don't know what church, what leader are you listening to? The apostate church, the modern church, the ones we see that have the mega celebrity preachers and even these local small churches. Where is the sermons on morality? Because as far as I can see, you have men and women going to church in nakedness. So let's start there. How is it that these pastors are not calling out the sin of lasciviousness? It is sensuality. It is carnality. It is all <clears throat> it is all about the self-promotion where the flesh is concerned. You got prophetess, you got these first ladies looking every bit of a diva. You can't tell them they are not sanctified and on their way to heaven. The men coming in there with ripped skinny jeans, tight fitted shirts with the with the the top button and the third button and the fourth button and you see all the the chest hairs and the gold chains and everyone is like off somebody's catwalk up in these churches today where is the sermons on morality because like i said i don't know that you are aware you are not supposed to be living a life of sin but of moral excellence moral courage is to stand for what is right against all opposition and every adversary. Any adversity that is going on in your life, it must be met by your moral character. Following Jesus and carrying this great gospel that will offend those who are living foul demands having a spiritual backbone. The conviction of faith and willingness to stand and live by faith. We cannot be cowards when we are standing flat foot in the truth of God's word. Opposing sin and those who live in it that refuses and rebukes correction. Listen, this correction is not coming from a self-righteous standpoint, not at all. But what thus saith the Lord? Moral cowardice 
fears consequences of standing for the truth. And that is why many in the body of Christ do not stand up for the truth. They will compromise. They would go along to get along because they don't want to make waves. Meanwhile, people are dropping out of here like flies on their way to a burning hell because no one wanted to offend them by telling them, if you don't cover up that body, if you don't stop sleeping around, if you don't stop masturbating, you, Christian, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This correction like I said, is not coming from a self-righteous standpoint. But what does say the Lord? Folks, listen. Moral courage will not compromise with sin. Moral courage trusts in God. Sin must not be tolerated for the sake of peace, for the sake of a job, for the sake of relationships, for the sake of being cast out of the synagogue, okay? Because, listen, we got to get this straight. Oh, yes, we got to get this straight. Living a life of morality and, and having moral courage in the face of opposition from, from the secular world and self-righteous brethren takes discipline. It takes listening to Jesus, obeying his voice, and following him. It takes living a life that is not rife with unbridled, unrestrained wickedness. It is living a life that is not characterized by willful, deliberate, blatant, knowing sin. Nope. Let me give you some helpful reminders as we pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we thank you so much. We have your word. Your word tells us <clears throat> in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Father, we must come out from amongst this world. John, by the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, 
and and pride in possessions is not from the father but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever father you tell us in ephesians 5 5 for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexual immoral or impure or is covetous that is an an idolator has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God and let us not forget 1 John 3:9 no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again. Who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose? And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him by this. The children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Here we go. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will and thought, action, and purpose is not of God. Nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother. Amen. Father, I am going through your word as a reminder to your children how we ought to be behaving, how we ought to live in morality. John 8, starting at verse 10, straighten it up. Jesus said to her, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, woman, where are they? Did not one condemn you? She answered, No one, Lord. And he said, and Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, comma, and sin no more. From now on, sin not. Right, Father? Because that's what he meant. He didn't mean go and sin some more. He was telling her, and he's telling us today, once we have been forgiven of our sins, we are to henceforth sin not. He tells us in verse 12, because Jesus is the light of the world. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. 
he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. And lastly, Father, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 10, 27, The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them, them eternal life. And they, they will never ever by any means perish. And no one will, excuse me, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all. Amen. And no one is able to snatch them. Them who? The ones who listen to Jesus, follow him, and obey him. That one father, please help me, give me the grace and the ability to get that message across. Many in the in the body believes just because you have forgiven them that they can try to out your good grace knowing that's not possible. Paul asks this very question and I'm going to paraphrase it. So you mean to tell me that we should continue in sin? Just so your grace can abound? Absolutely not. It is unthinkable to even have that thought. We don't take your grace as a license to sin, Father. Jesus said in verse 29 of John 10, My Father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one in essence and nature. Amen. There we go, Father. Because I can quote so many scriptures that tell us emphatically that as born again children, we must live a chaste life. No longer given into sin because sin is no longer our master. <clears throat> and if we find ourselves just rolling in it, it's not because the chains have not been broken by Jesus' atoning sacrifice on the cross. It's because we deliberately, voluntarily sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for clarity and discernment. Father, I need strength and grace. I must myself also keep this flesh under subjection. It don't rule me. It don't tell me what it wants to do. In times past, oh, my flesh had all the say. Not until the Holy Spirit showed me in Romans chapter 6 that I have been set free 
from the bondage of sin. Sin is no longer my master. So, Father, all I want to do is to convey that message to the brethren. So then maybe, maybe the fear of the Lord, knowing what's at stake, the consequences of sin, so we can stop it and live a life of morality. Bless your holy name, Father. We give you, we give you honor. We give you worship. We give you all of our adoration. Thank you for saving us. And we shall live a life in gratitude for what you and the Son has done for us. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, listen. If you are new to this podcast, repent and believe. All I, by the Spirit of God and by His grace, all I teach and talk about is righteous and holy living, providing and producing lessons on on how to live holy and why it is important that we do so. I also discuss the corruption coming out of these apostate false churches. I also exhort and sometimes rebuke false brethren called tares who believe they can infiltrate the body of Christ with learned false doctrine. I also come against false teachers and prophets and bishops and pastors whose focus is only on filthy lucre, looking to merchandise God's people. These are they who who twist and bend God's word to fit their narrative that if you want God's favor and blessing in your life, then you must bring him money. Totally leaving out obedience and the fear of God. Listen, I, I, I totally come against that madness. This is what I have been commissioned to do by the Lord. This is my life living for Jesus, honoring the Father, being being spirit-led and filled and living a life of peace, knowing that I have right standing with the Father. Because the life I lived when, when I thought I was a certified, bona fide, quote-unquote, Christian, on my way to heaven, I was in great deception, living in willful sin. And once the Lord brought me out of that madness, folks, it is maddening to think you can live a life of practicing willful sin and to think you still have fellowship unbroken fellowship with the Father. The truth is not in you, and you are a liar. You cannot 
be living in unconfessed sin because you keep believing the lie from the best dressed pastor that once you've been saved, you are always saved. So many things, thank you Holy Spirit, is wrong with that doctrine. That false doctrine, it is dangerous. First of all, that whole title, once saved, always saved, is, is a misnomer. We ain't safe yet until Jesus returns or we go by the way of the grave as a faithful consistent living a life of morality when we die living like that yes the pearly gates will be opened but we are in sanctification because guess what people go back to the world forfeiting their salvation we ain't safe yet and that's what makes that damnable doctrine of once saved, always saved so damnable. Because it's great news that what? Now I'm saved so I can still live how I lived before? Yeah, because all you need to do is just believe in Jesus. That's all you got to do. Folks, listen, we know for the umpteenth time. We know it is by God's grace that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been saved. Boom. Now, once we are saved, what do we do with our salvation? Do we just put it up on the shelf? What? Just take a picture of it and still go back to homosexuality and still go back to sleeping around and still go back to the um, to the weed man and the dope man? Do we still live life like that? No. That's why the Bible teaches we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There is work that needs to be done. You got to bear fruit in keeping with your repentance. What you truly believe will be demonstrated in the life you live. So if you believe that Christ died for your sins, if you believe that 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 sin no longer is your master, if you believe that God ain't playing with that lake of fire, then you will live a life of morality. Why? Because what you want to do now is please the Father. On no day of the week does you live in a life of immorality pleases the Father. But I believe in Jesus. Well, guess what? The, the devil and his demons also believe. So you ain't saying nothing, precious, by believing in Jesus. Well, so does Satan. How you live your life demonstrates what, what you truly believe in and where you place your trust in. And that's just it. Listen, 
like I was saying, right, about the madness. How how the Lord brought me out of that madness. Everything that I just said, I, I lived that life, okay? He brought me out of that madness. And once I've sincerely repented of my lascivious, licentious, wicked, adulterous lifestyle... All I want to do now is turn around and warn the brethren that we must live clean and holy before we before we either die or Jesus returns. So, if you have not found out by now, I bring the righteous heat on this podcast to to wake you up and to keep myself accountable. By bringing these lessons. It is all about fellowshipping with the brethren. Iron sharpens iron. We cannot expect and depend on the self-appointed quote-unquote pastor slash hireling. Who who is all about titles, self-worship, and vainglory to keep us in line where righteousness is concerned. Nope, because many and most are not teaching and preaching on sin, repentance, hell, and the lake of fire. Nothing that want to make you think stop and turn. So we must thank you, Holy Spirit. We must be our brother's keepers. So I will be yelling. I will be exhorting. I will be encouraging. But I must get you to understand this is serious business. Salvation is serious. We must recognize and know that Jesus is in fact on his way back and he will give his reward to all of us according to our ways and the fruit of our doings. That is why we must consider all the ways we take. Revelation 20 talks about the books of our lives will be opened on judgment day and we will be judged out of those things which were written in the books and another book is going to be opened the book of life and if anyone's name has not been found written in the lamb's book of life you will be thrown I will be thrown into the lake of fire that blazes with fire and brimstone. There will be no relief of the torment. It will be for all of eternity. That is why we don't practice sin because we know two things. We love God. And we know what it is at stake. Ain't nobody got time for that lake of fire, folks. So no matter, no matter what you are involved in, 
If it's in direct opposition to the word of God, you better stop it. Because we don't know when we will die, right? Hebrews 9.27 tells us it is appointed once for man to die and after that judgment. Judgment. So, I don't know what you've all been taught in the past about God and his son. But let me assure each and every one of you, they will never authorize sin. And no, the precious promises we see in the scriptures are not for the deceived follower who believes they have a relationship with God and his son and remain in willful, settled, unrestrained sin. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. So you can believe in Jesus all you want. If there is no turning from sin, if there is no change in your behavior because of a changed mind, Oh, you can forget it. You you and I can forget all about the pearly gates. Listen. Let us. Right. Let us take a quick trip over here to Romans 6. Let's go to verse 6 and get some explanation. Of that verse. Yeah. Romans 6. 6. Tells us. Hold on. Let me. Okay. Listen. The King James. Right. Knowing this. That our old man. Is crucified with him. That body of sin. That the body of sin might be destroyed, brought to nothing. That henceforth, we should not serve sin. Amen. No longer being slaves to sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what was chapter 6 all about? Because... You all know, if you don't know, I'm telling you today, I love, 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 love Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, Paul answers the question of whether Christians, followers of Jesus, should continue to sin. And his answer is emphatic. Absolutely not. No. We absolutely should not continue to sin. First, when we came to God by faith in Jesus, we died to sin. Please get that memo. I'm telling you, once you understand that, it will change your life. So you can stop behaving and talking like a slave to sin. 
oh, we just in these flesh, these fleshly bodies. We we are going to sin. Listen, we know we are still in this dirt. Amen. Right, Holy Spirit, because this body is dirt. It came from the dirt. It may look cute and fine, but nonetheless, it is dirt. It is perishable. It is fallible. And if you let it be in control, then you will give into temptation. The Lord told us what to do about temptation. He didn't say, well, just give into it. I know you are all nothing, nothing but dust. I know. I get it. Go on. Do you? I get it. No, he ain't saying that. He tells us, what is it, James? We are to firstly submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But if there's no submitting to God, if there's no resisting of the devil, then he got you. <laughs> I mean, it, listen, this ain't rocket science. The reason why you still sin is because you want to and you have voluntarily offered up the members of your body to wickedness. Yes. Yes. See, now I done saved you years of therapy. That's your problem. Half of you all are still in unforgiveness, still in anger. Still being bitter, still lying, still sleeping around, refusing to come up out of these adulterous remarriages. Yes, I am always going to poke that bear because right now people are saying no to Jesus where it comes to divorce, remarriage, and adultery. People are still defending them smoking weed. I got eye problems. I got back problems. Really? Well, you are going to have a burning in hell problem if you don't stop it. Yeah, but science has proven that the, the that THC, I think I'm saying it right, THC is um how how is beneficial and stopping pain. That may be the case. Listen, I'm no doctor. I'm no a scientist. All I am is a messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said no sorcerer will inherit the kingdom of God. Because if you are smoking it for cataracts, for cancer, for whatever else, where is your faith in Jesus to provide that divine healing? Why, why, why are you, listen, 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 okay? Because I'm quite sure you all got data, scientific, medical reasoning to back up why smoking cannabis is 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 healthy and it has helped children men and women i'm quite sure you got the information all i'm saying is why take 
the chance. What happens? What would happen when you drop the bodysuit? And you've been smoking weed the whole time with the THC because getting high, because you can say what you want, people like getting high. That's why they continue to take pain pills long after the pain has gone away. Okay, whatever. Everybody got a story about why they must take this and these are professing followers i ain't talking about those in the world they got bigger fish to fry okay because they need to repent about a whole bunch of stuff okay i'm saying this why take the chance that when jesus said no sorcerer that includes digesting anything into the body that will manipulate your senses as they say on the street taking you to a higher level if you are being intoxicated by the drugs you say claiming that it helps you you got some 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 soul searching to do with the father i keep telling y'all listen eternity is too long to be wrong what if you are wrong and jesus said but i said no sorcerer will inherit the kingdom of god are you going to argue with him how dr so and so said that this is for medicinal purposes i'm not taking this to get high but it's making you high though well i'm not taking it to get high but you're getting high well yeah because it what what you're getting high yeah but i'm not taking it listen okay we ain't going back and forth i'm telling you the word of god said no sorcerer Take it up with Jesus. So listen, get <laughs> I'm telling you, stop playing. Getting back over here to Romans 6, right? Because the, the context of Romans 6, 1 through 14 explores how followers of Jesus should think about and respond to sin now that we are in Christ and our sins are forgiven, right? In explaining this, Paul reveals new information about, about what happened when we put our faith in Christ. In a spiritual sense, we died with him. And we died to our sin. We were then resurrected to a new spiritual life. Now Paul instructs us to continue remembering, remembering, remembering that we are no longer slaves to sin. We must not offer our bodies to be used for sin but we must offer ourselves as instruments of righteousness instead uh-huh i told you listen 
So what does Romans 6, 6 mean, right? Paul begins this, Paul began this chapter by asking if believers in Jesus, those who have been saved through their faith should, should go on sinning to somehow increase God's grace. He said no. But then he backed up to explain some things about what had happened to us when we trusted in Christ for our salvation from sin. For one thing, for one thing, we died with Christ in a spiritual sense. And then we were resurrected spiritually to new life. We are not the same spiritually dead people we were before. Check out Ephesians 2.5. Now, Paul adds a new layer of understanding to what actually happened to us when we died spiritually with Christ. Folks, I pray you all are writing this information down. We have to understand where we stand spiritually in the eyes of God and what happened to that old man, that old sinful nature, that old flesh man. What happened to him? Because some of you think he is still alive. That's why you you sin. That's why I'm still sinning. That's why a Christian sin because we still have the flesh man. You got to understand he died. He he was crucified. Well, well then um, how come I'm still sinning? Because you want to. That's why. That's why you must get the understanding he died. And if temptation, because it's going to come, when it comes, submit yourself to God. Put your thinking on the facts. If you want to masturbate, put that on the facts. If you want to continue to fornicate, put that on the facts. If you want to keep lying and stealing and cutting up, Put those evil practices on this one fact. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. You want to know what got me to stop sinning? That one fact. Oh, among others in the scriptures, but 1 Corinthians 6, 9 snapped me out of the madness. Once I put this flesh on the facts that no whoremongerer is going to inherit the kingdom of God. No liar will inherit the kingdom of God. No adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. No homosexual will inherit the kingdom of God. No unbelieving, lying, murderous, gossiping, jealous, envious, covetous, greedy person. No immoral person will inherit the kingdom of God. Put that nasty behavior on the facts. The fact of the matter is that the wages of sin is death. 
Jesus said, study Revelation 20. No, Revelation, yeah, that too, but Revelation 21, 8. Jesus tells us who will not enter the kingdom, but their part will be in the lake of fire. Put your sin on the facts. You keep sowing to that nasty, filthy flesh. From that flesh, you will reap eternal destruction. Put your minds on the facts. Listen. Paul adds a new layer of understanding to what actually happened to us when we died spiritually with Christ. He writes that we that we also experienced a crucifixion. Our old self, the one that existed in sin and self-reliance before we were in Christ, was spiritually crucified in the same way that Christ was physically crucified on the cross. In response to our faith, God mysteriously, powerfully put to death our old self that was under the rule and power of sin. You got that? You got that. When the old self was crucified, the body of sin was brought to nothing. It was done away with. Paul pictures sin as having a body, as an entity that controlled us before we were in Christ. Now that sin's body has been removed in the spiritual crucifixion of our old self. However, sin is not in charge of us any longer. We were, we were, we were slaves to sin and we have now been freed from its power and authority in our lives. Does, does that mean we don't want to do sinful things anymore? Paul will show that the want, that, that want to sin remains. The requirement to sin is gone, however. It no longer has you in shackles. But guess what? When that old man tries to resurrect because you keep putting yourself in a position for it to rise up. How many times do we have to say on the podcast, because many agree that if you continue to make provisions for that flesh, then you will always be tempted by something or another. Stay out of the clubs. Get away from people who hate Jesus. Turn off that circular TV. 
Stop watching things that get you riled up. Change your attire. Modest apparel. Because every time you wear something sexy, you are conscious of your body. You know what that booty looks like in them tight jeans. You know, my brother, how you feel when when you put on those those tight muscle shirts and you and you jump into that that new vehicle looking every bit as fly as you want to. You know how that makes you feel? It soars your ego. You become self-conscious. You want people to look at you. That's why you dress the way you do. Listen, we all knew how to prop it up and set it out. If you continue to indulge in activities that that promote sensuality, wickedness, lewdness, lasciviousness, you are going to get yourself in trouble. And then these are they that keep claiming. So you mean to tell me you don't sin? Now, not willfully, no. Because I know, I now know how to cover up this body. I don't go anywhere I don't belong. I don't engage in conversations with the opposite, with the opposite sex. I divert my attention from the world and what's going on in it. Yeah, we we see the uh, headlines. We glance over certain articles about celebrities and what's going on in the world, but that no longer affects me. Where now I want to join in. If for anything, I shake my head and pray that they repent. You are going to have to cultivate a life of morality. But that's so boring. I'd rather be bored now than burning later. I keep telling y'all, put your flesh on the facts. Do you want to spend eternity in the lake of fire? Then you better stop it. So, what else I got for you all? I, I, I have so much. Because in the previous podcast, right? The one I did before this one, how I was attempting to give you some highlights from my study in 1 Peter chapter 1 before my time ran out like it's running out now, which is really not my fault. I I can't help it that I get sidetracked when the Holy Spirit constantly downloads information and thoughts to me. That I must get across in the middle of a lesson. I have told you before. This is not my podcast. This is the Holy Spirit's podcast. So I can make a ton of notes and and lesson plans all day. But once I press play and hit the mic. It is out of my control and that is fine with me. Listen, real quick. 
First Peter, chapter one, verses thirteen to twenty-five, calls all people of faith to live a life of holiness. Literally, holy living means that as Christ followers, we live a life that is set apart, reserved, reserved to give. Glory to God. It is a life of discipline, binocular focus, and attention to matters of righteous living. Mm-hmm. Folks, we have to have the eyesight of an eagle. We have to have laser focus on righteous living. It is as Paul states in Romans 12 verses 1 through 2, a life fully presented to God in a way that renews the mind and transforms our lives, our lives to God's glory rather than conforming our lives to the ways of the world. James further illustrates the concept in James 1.27 where he states that authentically righteous religious practice remains unstained by the corruption of secular thinking. We are to be holy because God is holy. Simply. Simply, folks. So, Today, we have been talking about living a life of morality and having moral courage. Listen, don't let this pagan, secular, sin-sick world fool you to think that you can have your best life now and all of its sensuality and carnality and still get to go to heaven. Absolutely not. We who are in Christ, the real Jesus Christ, we have been commanded to go and sin no more. So, let us take a foundational look at what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4. Listen, scripture is so wonderful. It tells us the purpose and the benefit of it. It is to train us in righteousness. It gives us sound doctrine. That's why we go over these scriptures. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 tells us that we must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live in the fertility of their minds. According to Paul, their minds are pointless and useless. All of their arguments, all, all of their puffed up notions and sciences, mm-hmm. pointless and useless. Yeah. So he says, don't live like that. Don't live in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls for their, for their moral understanding is darkened. 
and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because <clears throat> this is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them because of the hardness and insensitivity of their heart and they the ungodly in their spiritual apathy having become callous and unfeeling having given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. Paul is like, don't live like that because you did not learn Christ in this way. If in fact you have really heard him and have been taught by him. Paul is like, if in fact, uh-huh. Just as truth is in Jesus revealed in his life and personified in him that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self completely, discard, discard your former nature. What nature? That sin nature. Put it off. That old man. Put it off which is being corrupted through deceitful desires and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image. So you you can stop saying, but we still have this in nature. Hello, it has been crucified in Christ. You now have victory over the old sinful flesh man nature. You have a new nature. God said, put it on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, put it on. Because the problem, like it was for me, I did not put on the new man. I'm still dragging around the old man. Put it on. That's a commandment. Put on the new self. The regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image. God like in the righteousness and holiness of the true of the truth. Living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Amen. Listen. There was something. Hold on. I had something over here. Did I, did I bypass it already? Because it was all about. um. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I gave it to you. I gave it right because I was saying about moral courage that how that how it will not compromise with sin. Right. So in closing, this is how we once lived. OK, because you got to understand you ain't supposed to be acting like this any longer. Yeah. 
You're not. You're not. Why is this even in Spanish? <laughs> my notes literally on my phone just turned into Spanish. Hold on. I, I, I got to go to Chrome. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 13. Right. We have to get the backstory because we always start with verse 9, right? Do you not know the unrighteous, right? But before that, up there in verse 7, Paul was like, why the very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat because he was exhorting the church at Corinth Corinth, because they were suing each other and going into these pagan courthouses to get the matter settled. And he was like, why? The very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat. <laughs> Corey, I just caught that. He's like, listen, because they were... I, if we listen, if we keep this all in context, right? Hold on, let me see. Okay, <laughs> it's like the fact that you all got law lawsuits. Listen, we got a problem from the door. Okay, listen. Okay, First Corinthians six, starting at verse one. So when we get to verse nine, we can see when he was saying, like, don't be deceived. Listen. He says, starting at verse 1, does any one of you, when he has a complaint, a civil dispute with another believer, dare to go to law before unrighteous men, non-believers, instead of placing the issue before the saints, God's people? Do you not know that the saints, God's people, will one day judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you not competent? Are you not competent to try trivial, insignificant, petty cases? Paul is like, why are you going to a judge to settle your matters? Do you not know that the saints of God will judge the whole world? Once Jesus returns and you all can't settle these earthly petty, trivial matters. He was like, do you not know you are going to be judging the whole world? See again, right, Holy Spirit. This is why we must keep our eyes on eternity. Get your mind and your body off the here and the now. So listen, he says, do you not know that we believers will judge angels? talking about those fallen angels, right? How much more than as to matters of this life? So if you have lawsuits dealing with matters of this life, are you appointing those as judges to hear disputes who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Ooh, Paul is letting them have it. He is like, first of all, why are you not even able to settle such trivial matters? Do, excuse me, do you not know that you are going to be judging these angels? Judging the world. 
So why are you going to these unbelieving pagans that has no dealings with the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise man among you who is governed by integrity and will be able and competent to decide private disputes between his fellow believers, but instead, <laughs> I love it. Paul is like, you mean tell me, ain't there ain't nary a one that is competent in the bunch? But instead, what y'all do, brother goes to law against brother, and that before judges who are unbelievers. Not only are you taking your your brother into court, but you're dragging him before these heathens. Verse seven. Why? <laughs> I'm telling you. Sometimes Paul Paul was no joke. Okay. Why? The very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat. Why not rather be wronged? Why, listen, why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, it is you who wrong and defraud. And you do this even to your brothers and sisters. Wow. And then we get verse 9. <laughs> Okay. Do you not know? Okay, because Paul is like, listen, right? Because in verse 7, why? The very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat. Okay, why not just be wronged? Why not just be defrauded? Because on the contrary, you the one who is wrong, you the one who defraud, but yet you are going to drag your brother or sister to court and you are in sin up to your eyeballs. You are wrong and you defraud. And you do this even to your brethren. And Paul was like, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Listen, Paul is letting them have it. Why are you taking each other to court? Why are y'all dragging these cases that can be easily settled between between you? But oh no no, here y'all go to man's pagan pagan court to get your matters um settled, claiming someone wronged you, someone defrauded you, but you do the wrong and you also do the defrauding to even your brethren. And Paul was like, listen, let's not be mistaken. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, because apparently this stuff was going on. That's why he's making a point of it. If we keep this in context, why is Paul right, Holy Spirit? Why is Paul bringing out these particular specific sins unless this was an issue with them, right? He was like, 
Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral. Because that was going on in the church at Corinth. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. Nor effeminate by perversion. Nor those who practice in homosexuality. Nor these. <clears throat> nor the greedy. Right? Because he just told. He, he, just, he was telling them how you defraud. You do the wrong too. I guess being a hypocrite. What? So listen. Nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers. There we go back to that defrauding. Will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Verse 11. And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God, and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. The body is the Lord's. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. See? That's your problem. You think everything is beneficial for you. Like smoking that weed because of cataracts, because of cancer. But those things are not beneficial to you. They may be permissible. Everything is permissible for me. But I will not be enslaved. And this is the mindset the mentality that we all must have. This is how you can be victorious over that crucified flesh man. The Lord is giving us these keys of holy living. He's telling us what to do so you can stop it. With all of your whining and complaining about, oh, wretched man that I am. Again, the same man that uttered that is saying this to us. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Amen. And this is the same man some of you love to quote. Well, we got a war going on inside of us. I want to do what's right, but then I don't do that. The stuff I don't want to do, I do that all the more. Oh, wretched man that I am. Okay, Paul taught that and I guarantee you if we read it in its full context Paul will end it all by saying again in so many words 
it still don't control him. Right, Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do some research. And that's going to be the next lesson. So we can put that whining, wretched man, false doctrine to bed. So listen. Right. We come down. Right. Because Paul was saying that he is not going to allow anything to control him or us. Right. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. Meaning everything has a purpose, right? The stomach is meant to hold food. Food, once it is chewed and masticated and swallowed, goes into the stomach and then out the body, right? But God will do away with both. The body is not, listen, if you didn't know, listen up. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Just like food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. Well, this body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. To do what with it? To save it sanctify and raise it again because of the sacrifice of the cross so this body don't belong to us no ways and God has not only raised the Lord to life but will also raise us up by his power do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Am I therefore to take the members of Christ and make them part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall be one flesh. But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run away. From sexual immorality. See the Lord is telling us what to do. When this lustful temptation. Of sexual immorality. Shows up in your life. He don't say run to it. <laughs> he says flee. Beat your feet. Run away. You don't indulge. Run away from sexual immorality. In any form. Yeah, any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Amen. Verse 19. Do you not know? Like how many times just in this chapter alone, Paul has said, do you not know? He's like, are you ignorant or what? Do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a, as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? Because see, that's the huge problem. We think we still have a right to do what we want with these bodies. No, you have been bought with the precious priceless, sinless, matchless, 
blood of Jesus Christ. You ain't your own. You will look verse 20. You were brought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then honor and glorify your God, glorified God with your body. Amen. And look, this is starting up at verse two, right? This is the first of six. Do you not know statements in this chapter? Uh-huh. Look. Over there in verse 15, right? Corinth was famous, famous for its prostitutes. And many, if not all, probably practiced their trade in connection with the worship of Aphrodite. Having relations with temple or cult prostitutes was considered acceptable behavior and Paul's admonitions here indicate that some of the Corinthian converts were continuing the practice. Yeah, so now we see what was going on in Corinth. <laughs> Not only were there were they dragging each other before th these pagan courtrooms suing each other but they themselves were doing the wrong and and defrauding and one of the six do you not know statements he was telling them do you not know okay the unrighteous will not inherit god's kingdom amen so there we go today a lesson on morality we live in morality not in immorality we live clean we live holy we consider all the ways we take before the Lord you have to realize and keep this in laser focus Jesus sees it all all of it what you do behind closed doors what you do in public he sees it all. So, judgment day is coming. That's all I'm saying. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you once again and always for your word. Without your word, we will be lost. Lost. Many and most are still lost claiming the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, you you have done it for me. You've woke me up like you told me through your word and in prayer. I was on my way straight to a burning hell, but you've saved me. You saved me from myself. I was destroying myself. But because of your mercy and your loving kindness and your patience and your favor, you brought me up out of that madness. I finally met the real Jesus Christ of Nazareth and he changed my whole way of thinking and my life. And it has not been one day that I ever regretted it. This was the best thing that could have ever 
happened to Cynthia Smalls. And I am so grateful and I am so thankful that you had mercy and pity on this wretched, filthy, lying sinner that I once was. No longer will I allow that old man to resurrect. I'm glad she's dead. I am so glad she died. I would never, ever go back to the vomit. Keep me, Lord. Keep me from... <sighs> Trying to keep it together, folks. It's emotional. Keep me from the evil one. All I want to do now, Lord, is serve you and please you. If there's anything in my life, and I'm praying on behalf of my brethren, if there is anything in our lives that are not pleasing to you, show it to us so we can cut it out. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, folks, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning. Do not be deceived. Bad company will ruin your good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. Lord willing. Until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.